Hi everyone, and welcome to episode two of I'm Curious About, a podcast that explores conversations with people who pave the way in their respective fields to walk this path of life with authenticity and intention. Today's conversation is with Janine Whitehouse. Janine Whitehouse has been a beacon of light for so many. As the Indigenous Education Coordinator for Regina Catholic School Division, Janine's portfolio includes supporting and guiding staff and students in 32 schools. This immense responsibility is something that Janine not only meets head on, but guides with kindness, compassion, through significant relationships and action-oriented steps. She has been pivotal in facilitating a mid-shift language program at Sacred Heart Community School, as well as many endeavors that allow teachers to indigenize their content in an authentic and meaningful way. I am blessed to call Janine a mentor and a friend. Often our conversations start with a need and end up gravitating towards the deep conversations about our personal and professional goals to empower and educate students in our care and ensure that we are walking the path of inclusion and awareness in all that we say and do. This conversation one that shows the need for significant relationships of trust and reciprocity when walking the path of truth and reconciliation on a personal and communal level. Happy listening. Um, the first thing I'd love for you to do is just to position yourself. If you could tell us a little bit about who you are, your role, and perhaps the division uh, that you work on, work with, uh, and anything else that you think impacts your positionality. Okay, so Tanshe Kiwao, Janine Whitehouse, Dishnikashun, Crooked Lake, Maraval, Delish Midley, Luikanan, Ekwa, Regina Doschin. Mofami, Shinikeshawak, Pelche, Dejarle, Equa La Valley. Hello, my name is Janine Whitehouse. My family comes from Crooked Lake, uh, Marivelle, where they lived on the road allowance, and we also live in Regina. Uh, my family names are Pelche, Dejarle, and La Valley. Uh, I can trace my uh, Mitchif Mich- roots back to the Red River settlement in Manitoba. Um, and so uh, it's something that's quite important to me. I um, work for Regina Catholic Schools. I am the Indigenous Education uh, Coordinator in the division. So that means I have the privilege um, and responsibility of looking after Indigenous education for 32 schools. Um, I think that's how many we have. I think we have 32 schools in our school division. Um, So it's quite a big portfolio. Um, That's our our pre-K to uh, grade 12. We are a unique division, a faith-based division that has um, a couple of really special things happening right now. We have a Michif kindergarten language, um, kindergarten Michif language classroom, have to get those right, um, happening in our school division. And we also have um, a special literacy classroom that ties in some uh, unique worldview and perspectives of Indigenous people. Um, let me see. What else should I tell you? I have no idea. How's that for a start? Beautiful. Um, when you say a portfolio as large as 32 schools, um, how do you ensure and how do you take care of yourself while also facilitating growth and courageous conversations in 32 spaces that are going to be 32 unique spaces? Um, that are going to be on different parts of their journey. How do you handle that personally and also from your professional role? Jackie Murray, you're getting deep right off the hop. The portfolio is is very large. Um, 
I have to rely heavily on um, knowledge keepers, elders, and my relationship with my ally colleagues um, to support me professionally and move things forward. Um, certainly, if I didn't have that support network or that team, um, I, I wouldn't be able to do the job I do. There's, there's, there's just no way. Um, I can't be in all places all at once, and so I have to... Um, create relationships and that is the the big part of everything I do um, we have a beautiful word that we're embracing Wakotawin, uh, meaning kinship um, but deeper than that um, kinship with everything and so really focusing on that is how I, I lead my portfolio professionally um, building relationships of trust and also building relationships that I can um, help people uh, recognize where they are on their journey and move them forward, um, building capacity so that they can also be leaders in this work. So professionally, I have a whole team um, and I'm continually building on that team. And um, it's important that the people that are on that team have an understanding of what my vision is for the division, um, because there are people who who would like to be on the team, but maybe are wanting to go in a different direction. And it's important to um, have some some continuity when we move things forward, especially when we look at truth and reconciliation and building relationships and bridges. I really want to focus on um, my vision of, of of a late elder that was very close to me, and every time. Um, this elder kind of came into a space where there was conflict or potential for conflict um, and was something was asked of him, he always responded with kindness, compassion, and love. It wouldn't matter how heated the argument was, how who was raising their voices. I never once saw him angry. Um, I never saw him belittle anybody, shame anybody, even if the conversation or the um, if the conversation was not as intelligent as it could have been, he still always came at it from that angle of kindness, compassion, and love. And so that is how I want um, everything that I do within the school division to move forward. It's important, especially when we ask people to move into a space of vulnerability, when we're asking them to reflect deeply on their morals and values and the things that they've learned growing up that we allow people that space to be vulnerable and not be judged or criticized. And so when we look at anything to do with social justice and um, uh, colonization and those kinds of pieces, those are very deep and sensitive pieces, both for Indigenous and non-Indigenous people. And so we have to find that space in between um, to have those conversations. And I've had some very, very strong leaders, um, Elder Willie Ermine uh, from First Nations University was one of my very first teachers as I came back to do my master's. And I always believed that my path was carved out for me. And I'm just listening to find those spaces that I need to be in. And so I wasn't slated to start my master's degree until the fall, but I got a call and asked if I would consider starting it in May um, because there was this class. It was a, a pedagogy class and it was also a culture camp. And so it was a beautiful way to 
uh, re-engage after being out of kind of the Western education system for 12 years, I was a little bit nervous to go back. And so I had the opportunity to sit with Willie Ermine and uh, Dr. Angelina Weenie and uh, learn from both of them who are very, very um, kind, compassionate, loving teachers. And um, so having a lot of those kinds of I hate to use role models, but those those kinds of leaders in my life that showed me the way to best reach the heart because all of this is heart work. Now, personally, so that was all professionally. Personally, um, I look after myself um, by smudging. That's one thing that I try to do fairly frequently. Um, it grounds me. It, it takes that time to release some of those um, things that I carry uh, as we move through the day. I, I, I'm in conversations constantly with people and um, I tend to take on that energy and that negativity sometimes that comes along with those conversations. And so by the end of the day, it gets pretty heavy. I, I do some reading. Uh, I have a, this is going to sound silly, but I have a bath every night pretty much. Um, I have a very strong relationship with water. Uh, and so that's, um, being able to immerse myself in that water and um, almost detoxify and take all of that negative stuff and allow it to go down the drain at the end of the, at the end of my time there is one way that I really um, help take care of myself. So there you go. Yeah. I can say as a person that is privileged to call you a colleague and friend that you always lead with love, compassion and kindness. I find you are deliberate in your responses. I find you meet people where you're at, they're at while offering some gentle prodding or even like further than that, if it's needed in a situation. I find we know your boundaries and your expectations and your hopes. Um, and that that Wakota win that you speak of is something that you model in, in all that you say and all that you do. Uh, so truly my time with you, like I always feel filled up after, even if it's a difficult or challenging conversation, I feel filled up as a result, because even if it is a difficult or courageous conversation where we're trying to push the needle, um, there is always that love that grounds us because it's the hope. And it's not for you or I, it's for the kids in our care. It's for the next generations and, and to be responsible and responsive to what's going on around us and seeing that in action. So I really appreciate all that you are and all that you do. I'm just going to get my kids. So this is a question that I got from Barack Obama's book, and it's something he asked his constituents. And what I thought is how it's phrased, it's so beautiful. So I want you to tell me the world as it is, and I'd like you to tell me about the world as it should be from your lens. Oh. It's a big question. Yeah. Uh, it's not a small one, but I do think it gives a snapshot into people realizing the way in which we view and frame the world is constructed by us. So we get to deconstruct and reconstruct, uh, knowing that that takes time and effort and relationship and what Kodawin is, which we spoke of. Um, but if you could tell me how the world is and how you hope or you think it should be. Just as you were talking there, and the, the one word that kind of came to my mind right away was opportunity. And I think quite often, um, we get stuck looking at the world and seeing the barriers 
and the challenges and the negativity, and we get weighed down by that. And certainly, um, being a Michif woman and and growing up in a a space of colonization and having my mother tell me very pointedly, you know, be careful who you tell your indigenous. Um, I could see that her her view of the world was was that of of living in the trauma, living in the negativity, being very careful um, for a lot of her life, not being able to be who she was and who she wanted to be. Um, later on in her life, that changed, and there was a bit of a shift as we saw some of the um, political movements happening. It, it paved a little bit of a way for her to to um, reclaim some of that identity and, and the person that she wanted to be. So I think when we look, or when I look at the world, <clears throat> I can kind of see the generational pieces and I see the bigger picture. Um, and that's kind of how I see everything. I always look at that bigger picture and, and where my, my place is in that bigger picture. And so um, I, I think when I see opportunities, I see opportunities for growth and for understanding to be built. And um, I'm in a space now that where I recognize that not everybody is going to see the world the way I see it or understand things the way I understand them or even begin on that journey to want to understand things. And that's okay with me because I think what's going to happen or at least what I see happening as I, I create relationships and build, um, build that support network around myself, I see more and more people on the inside as opposed to on the outside. And so those people that are standing on the outside looking and thinking about, you know, the things that I'm saying when it comes to worldview, the things that I'm doing in my position, the things I'm doing in my personal life to move things forward for um, Indigenous people, I see them standing on the outside going, well, what's going on over there, right? And so um, I will never ever uh, reject somebody for wanting to come into that space, into that circle with me, but it's always, um, it comes at a cost for them and that cost is always conversation, right? And so I need to know that I can let you into this space that I've created that's safe for everybody else. And so always looking at opportunity um, I do see, um, I do see the impacts of colonization, especially um, with Indigenous people. It's hard. It's hurtful. It's um, overwhelming at times because uh, you get to that space where I'm like, I'm just one person. What can I do? But then I go into classrooms and I tell these kids, you know. I know I'm sitting here asking you to do something with reconciliation and you're sitting there going, but I'm just one person. And I get that I do, but it's that creating that collective voice, right? You're one person. I'm one person. But as we build our relationships, that one person has, you know, 30 people behind them. And that's, that's what I see that opportunity. And I, and it's not that I'm, you know, having this kind of utopian view of anything, I, I'm I'm a realist, but I also need to focus on being proactive with students. I need to focus on 
um, helping them to see that breaking cycles is possible. I need to help them see that, you know, even though we are consumed by this Western education system, that we can utilize this system to benefit our people. And so opportunity, how do we take those opportunities to make things better for everybody? So build those bridges. So that's that's what I see um, the world as it should be. I mean, there's there's the beauty of everyone should be treated equal. But I I don't know. That's the the pessimistic part of me is like I, I don't know if that's that's the world as it should be. I think the world as it should be should encompass love and respect. And I think if we can move forward with those two pieces, love and respect, that's going to take us a long way. If we can treat each other with love, if we can treat each other with respect, no matter who you are, um, I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to make a big difference in the world. So, and I think that's, that's all I got for you. That's my deep enlightening piece. I, I love it. I, I obviously um, see it the way you see it in the sense that opportunity is a really powerful source. And I agree with you. There's something really magical about working with youth K through 12. Um, I think there's something really powerful about their voices and then just look at things and like, well, that's not right. And they're starting to recognize the system that has been gifted uh, and created. And I find them very analytical and curious and also very good at looking at things and saying, well, that isn't equitable. That isn't right. Um, and I find the lens in which they see the world maybe should be as it should be. And like you said, that love and respect and that compassion is something that I think grounds us because it's not about same. It's not about figuring out a system where we're identical. Um, rather, it's that space and grace for people to have their identity. Like when you spoke about your mom and how it took her time to find that identity, um, it's heartbreaking to think that people had to minimize and diminish and alter who they were, but it was survival and it was necessary. And then how, even if it wasn't consciously put on you, you unconsciously knew how to operate in this system in order to keep yourself safe uh, and doing well and not even successful. I don't think that's it. It's like truly it's about safety and just trying to operate. Um, so I honor that truth of your mom and how even one generation later and then what you've done for your children and what you're doing for all these kids to allow that identity to be fully formed in spaces that honor who they are, I think is really beautiful. And that's the opportunity. So the optimist in me and the hopeful person in me and the radical hope in me sees that and sees that growth. And I, and I, I hope that we're making strides. Um, I do find it overwhelming because like you, I sometimes like, like what? Like, I don't even know where to begin. And that to me is the power of this community um, is having conversations like this. You realize, okay, I just got to keep doing this one next thing. What's the next right step? Um, and it may not be perfect. And it's not going to be like, we, we're probably not going to see a solution in our lifetime. But what we do is we want to keep moving that needle um, from awareness to analysis to action, awareness, analysis, action, just keep going through that cycle. Um, so I, I honor that. Um, one last question for you, if you wouldn't mind. You can ask me as many as you want. Oh, You're I letting me this. off easy here. <laughs> uh, my question is, how do you, as someone that has operated in the Western colonized point of view, unpack and decolonize your mind 
while prompting others to do the same. Because you were very much a light post and yet you're a product of that system. How do you navigate that line of helping others while still recognizing it in yourself? I've had to do a lot of work on myself, uh, yeah. a lot. And, I, and I'm still doing it. Like, um, it's awful to say, but I lose a little bit of sleep over it. Yeah. Um, constantly asking myself, you know, it's like you said, is this the right decision? Are we yeah. going in the right direction? Those kinds of things. But looking at uh, recognizing my own privilege. So, I, like, even as an Indigenous person, I have some privilege, right? Just as the nature of, um, you know, the color of my skin. Yeah. My, my features are a little bit different. I can... I, I'm, I could be white passing and have used that in, to my advantage um, to navigate the system. Yeah. Right. And so having to understand that and um, accept that and recognize that and, and, you know, embrace it and then release it because um, it's not who I am or where I need to be right now. Yeah. Um, growing up and going through high school and growing and going through um, some university classes, even though I was attached to um, SUNTEP, which is actually specific for uh, Métis uh, people, I still had to integrate into some regular University of Regina classes. Yeah. And so sometimes had to still access that skill um, and unpacking all of this has been challenging. Mm -hmm. um, I don't want to use the word burden, but it's, it's heavy. Yeah. It's very, very heavy. Um, yeah. Burden's not the quite, quite the right word, but it's just, it's a heavy responsibility yeah. because uh, I'm, I'm unpacking and, and I don't know that there's anybody. Cause then that's the question, right? Is there somebody who could do this job who could be in this position that could do better than I can do right now because they're further along in their journey. And I'm not sure that you could find anyone right now out there that hasn't been impacted by colonization that could, yeah, you know, that hasn't been on a journey of reclaiming some of who they they are. Just con constantly reflecting on those pieces. Um, and you know what? There's there's somebody that I um, admire. Uh, he's a leader in a school division in BC, and he always mm -hmm. tells his his people that you need to go forward with courage. And that's where I'm finding um, that I'm having to do a lot of this work is is with courage mm -hmm. to unpack and challenge a system. Yeah, takes courage, uh, and it it takes relationship and trust. I have people uh, in you know senior leadership in our school division that trust me. Yeah, we have a really good relationship. Something I find challenging working in our school division is balancing the faith-based piece and yeah, um, indigenization. Yeah, it's a very very fine line, and so um, I'm constantly having to to balance between the two, which isn't 
unusual for me being uh, Mitchiff because that's mm-hmm. kind of walking in those both worlds. Yeah. But it's challenging and exhausting. So some of the, the work You've got me stumped on this question. That's okay. The decolonizing work is... Yeah, I'm doing... Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about that. And I don't know if this is going to be of any value to you, but... Um, Everything's a value. I just like listening to you talk because, again, that shows how purposeful you are. You took a minute... You thought about where you wanted to go and you're making decisions. And that's what I respect about you so much. Each In those moments, it's more about listening. Yeah. It's more about listening and, and checking in with myself. And I'm just like, and I just, I've been doing more listening than I have been in my entire life uh, over the last couple of years because the work that I'm doing, um, it's transformational, right? It's transformational work. It's that was a that took me a long time to get to that place to mm-hmm. recognize the importance of the work that I'm doing, to recognize that I'm making difference, that I'm making change, that people are people are changing. Yeah. The heart work. And so when I look at that, uh, I also recognize that this work isn't about me. So when you're talking about like how do I how do yeah. you how do you operate? It it isn't about me. Mm. And I don't believe that any of this and I, I struggle sharing this with people because it's not that I don't take responsibility for the work that I do. I do take responsibility at the end of the day, I'm making the decisions. But I spend a lot of time listening. And mm. I really believe that those that have gone before me and tried to to pave that way for me or showing me the direction that we need to go next. Wow. And so it's listening, deep listening with intentionality um, to that spiritual voice, mm. right? And that's, it took me a long time to learn to trust that because I'm like, I, I would wake up in the morning and be like, you know what? this is the place we need to go to today. And this is where I'm going to take this today. And then all of a sudden I get in my office and I'm like, what was I thinking? This is a bad idea, but it isn't a bad idea. So I'm going to go back. I'm going to look at your thing here. Do you have examples? Decolonizing perspectives, unpacking and decolonizing. You know what? I think, Here's a, here's a piece that I find. I don't think I'm spending as much time helping myself unpack. Mm-hmm. Because in all of the struggles that my mom had, I spent a lot of time with um, my auntie and uncle out in Manitoba. Mm-hmm. And they were uh, medicine people. Um, and so I have a lot of teachings. I was around a lot of teachers when I was young. Mm-hmm. And those teachings, as part of that survival that we talked about, were compartmentalized for a long time. Yeah. And so now as I'm in this position, these things come to me. And I'm like, mm-hmm. whoa, where did that come from? 
And then I sit with it for a while and I'm like, oh, I remember sitting at the kitchen table and auntie and uncle were saying this and doing this. And I was, you know, nine years old. Yeah. So that part for me is is kind of innate and it's more about tapping into it than unpacking it ah. and reconnecting with it. So I think it's more about that, reconnecting with that and then working through the challenge of how does that um, come up against the colonized worldview, right? Yeah. And then how do I, how do I then um, kind of overcome it? And I'm using my hands, overcome yeah. that and, and allow that to lead me. Right. You're code switching. You're, you're taking All what's innately time. to you to then be like, this is how I can transfer it and present it for you to then have this. But like you're, you're, you're operating in both worlds. You're yeah. bilingual in, in being able to operate, but you have to like, do you, do you find that you are, you know, when like you're, you're getting so good at knowing when to broach those subjects in those worlds or are you deep thinking more into your knowing and just being like, I'm, I'm going to operate from what I know versus what I see. There's been a shift in me. I used to, um, I used to sit silently for a long time and wait for the opportunity. Yeah. Um, and now I'm starting to move into a space where I'm like, no, I'm not waiting for you um, because what is what you're and it happens more so when people are being offensive. Yeah. Then I'm just like, no, no, yeah. this is this is not OK. What you're saying yeah. does not does not resonate with me. And I'm going to say something now, whereas before early on in in this position, I would have um, sat wait, let them have their say and then challenge it. And I'm finding more often than not, I need to um, interrupt it. And uh, because it can be detrimental, depending on what the who the audience is in that space, um, especially if it's a space where we have youth. Mm -hmm. uh, if it's a space where we have youth and somebody who's in a position of power is saying something that um, doesn't reflect Indigenous worldview or teachings yeah. accurately, then I'm finding that I need to stop. I need to interrupt because um, allowing them to continue that whole um, story or yeah. speech or whatever it is they're doing can be um, more detrimental for the students or for, even for the adults in the room than it would be if I interrupted. And so finding that that courage to do that and knowing when um, sometimes if it's just kids they just need a minute to um, process that thought and sometimes yeah. when people say things out loud they get to a point where they're like oh wait a minute that doesn't sound so great yeah you know and so kind of waiting for those opportunities so it's 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 a it's a really fine line there's a teaching from an elder um, out east and it's called two-eyed seeing Okay. And that's what I feel like I'm doing a lot of the time. I can't remember what his name is. Elder Albert something. Okay. If you Googled it, it would come up and there's, it, it references a lot of like scientific knowledge. So seeing like Western science Eastern, and uh, indigenous science and how we can bring the both of those into one space and practice two-ed seeing. That's what I feel yeah. like I'm doing a lot is taking that indigenous lens and the Western lens and trying to find that space in between mm. that we can um, that we can coexist harmoniously yeah and and respectfully and within love 
And so that's, that's a lot of what's, what's going on with decolonizing and unpacking. I spend a significant amount of time helping uh, adults and youth unpack. Yeah. I've called them, well, I've called them. Uh, my superintendent and I have, have come because I'm always popping into her office and be like, yeah, just got another phone call. Right. <laughs> and so these moments, these we're, we're dubbing them teachable moments because that's what they are. Right. Yeah. As I'm helping people unpack these, these things and some of them are, yeah, I, I, I am very, very grateful that people trust me. I'm mm. very, very grateful that they feel comfortable enough to call me. Like, I, you know, I got a call from somebody that I haven't had an opportunity to really work with and had a moment of revelation, you know, Googled mm. a word and found out that the word was not a very positive word for Indigenous people. And we're mm. like, holy man, Janine, help me. Like, what do mm. I do? You know, and so to, to be in a position that somebody would would feel comfortable enough to say, you know, I'm going to call you and I'm in this headspace of, you know, having my narrative disrupted and I don't know what to do with it. Help me. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a privilege. It's a privilege to be in that space and wow. to be, be able to walk beside people to do that. And I never, one thing that, because I just had this conversation, who did I, who was I? I can't remember who I was talking to. Oh, I was presenting and somebody had asked me about, you know, these teachable moments. And I said, you know, the one thing that happens when somebody comes to me with one of these, um, you know, moments to unpack and decolonize is I never tell them what to do. Mm. I always ask them questions. Right. And that's that whole coaching model. But it's, yeah. it's true. I'm like, I don't ever want to say to you. No, you shouldn't be using that word. No, you shouldn't do that. No, 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 no. Because then people are going to resist. But what I do yeah. is I ask them questions about what feels right. You know, something is troubling you now in this moment. That's why you called me. Yeah. Tell me about that. What is troubling you? And they and they always it always starts with, oh, I feel so ignorant. I didn't know this. And I'm like, okay, that that's okay. But yeah. you can't take responsibility for not knowing because you're in a system that doesn't teach it. Right? Yeah. That's what you were raised to, to, to learn uh, a certain way in a certain paradigm. And you, you didn't create it, but you're part of it. Yeah. And so don't beat yourself up for not knowing. But. Yeah. And here's the big but. But, but yeah. now you know. Yeah. Okay, no so better do know. better. Yeah. What, what are, what are you going to do with that? Yeah well, I don't know, what should I do with it? And I'm like, what do you want to do with that? Yeah. You know, and so just leading them down that path. And it's probably one of um, one of the things that I, I really enjoy about my job is seeing the growth in people yeah. and especially in leaders in our division and the adults. Because I know that if I can make things better with the adults and understanding and create uh, opportunities and and understanding then that's only going to make it better for our kids yeah. and uh the other pieces that i look at anything that i do with that indigenous lens to make things better for indigenous students is also going to benefit non-indigenous students in that space yeah, yeah. 
That's a lot to talk about. Look at that. Well, it's, I think that speaks to the bigness of this and the thread that goes through it all. And, and what I find through these conversations is that I always leave reminding myself that um, there's just these little opportunities and these little moments of connection and courage. Um, I love how you spoke about listening. That's something that I'm personally trying to work on because you know me. I am a chatty Kathy. And what I'm learning is that I have privilege in my platforms and I want to use that appropriately and responsibly. But I also think there's times for me to sit and be still and offer a platform elsewhere and also not just be quick to the solution. Because I think five years ago, six years ago, definitely eight years ago, I would be coming to you with like, tell me what I'm supposed to do. Give me A plus B equals C. Let's be linear in our approach. Let's be Western and just tell me what I'm supposed to do. And what I'm learning is this navigation and the vulnerability it requires, the uncertainty and the risk, uh, because it's not a matter of if I make a mistake in my platforms, it's when, and then it's like making sure that I uh, attribute that to relationship. Like I think of our conversation about O Canada that was brief last week. Um, it's important to have those conversations and I'm no longer coming to them with like ego or worry. It's like, okay, all right, know better, do better. Um, and that's a really small example. Uh, but it's, I think it's important to have that. And, and when you spoke about walking that lens of like our Catholicism and indigenous worldviews, um, I know that I am part of that side uh, and therefore I am responsible to use my platform to illustrate and give space to and recognition to and entirely on its own with no angling, no, no thread that goes through just simply to exist and to honor the truth of the past. Um, and even as I say that, it's, it's uncomfortable to say because I, I don't know if I'm doing it right, but it's no longer about right or wrong. Uh, in a topic as big as this, it's about taking steps and asking questions and having conversations and inviting um, people into spaces. Uh, and so I can't thank you enough for all the ways that you've invited that relationship and that opportunity and that growth uh, in our lives as a school and personally. Um, it's been incredibly impactful. And I can tell you that I always leave and I'm just like the brain's always going. Yeah, you're remarkable. And you know that I think that. And I just, I think our division and I am better off as a result of all that you are and all that you represent and all the ways in which you have moved us in a good way. So I can't thank you enough. Another wonderful opportunity to connect with Janine on a personal and professional level. Uh, the two things that stood out to me in that wonderful conversation was the, the concept of Wokotowin, which is something that we're trying to embody and live. And when she and both Roger in episode one spoke to that, it speaks to the organic, authentic way in which relationships have been created and maintained and, and gives me hope for what we can do with those relationships for our students and for our communities. Uh, the other thing that resonated with me was the quote, my path was carved out for me. What of a powerful way to tune into what we are called to do as educators and as people, and knowing that the concepts like TRC and globalization impacts us all greatly, and that we all have a personal responsibility to do what's in our innate abilities to create change and positivity. This course has certainly lent itself to that, and as has this conversation. I hope you enjoyed listening. Get ready for episode three, which will be with Chantelle Baudu, who is a wonderful educator in person uh, who discusses her English language arts from a critical anti-oppressive education. And I look forward to you hearing our episode and our chat together. 